So good to see you all and those online. Good morning. We love you. My name is Tamika. I'm the worship pastor here. And um, hopefully this is still a privilege at the end to speak to you here today. Thank you for those who participated in the commandments challenge. I'm coming for you. Okay. Just, just put that out there. Take that to Jesus. Whatever that means. I'm coming. Um, Hey, how many of us Sabbath this week? Got a chance to rest in Sabbath this week. We're getting, we're getting better. Mine was not so good. I could have done a little bit better, but uh, Revnik is not here today, so I just thought I'd ask on behalf of him if we're getting better. Um, okay, let's let's get into it. Today's a very heavy one that I hope will end with hope and joy. Um, and it is not lost on me that today is Emancipation Day and that I am doing number six in this series, which is Do Not Kill. Many Canadians don't even know that this day exists. In fact, Emancipation Day was just, you know, came together last year officially when the Senate and the House of Commons agreed that this should be Emancipation Day. So this is 200 years after the, the British Empire has declared uh, this day to be, you know, the end of slavery. And I'm really hot. You can turn me down. There's a lot of me here, and no thank you. Um, yeah, and so lawmakers actually got a chance, black lawmakers actually got a chance to celebrate that that would happen. And so I am so aware of all the things today, but to God be the glory, we're going we're gonna to get into it. Um, let's pray. Let's talk to Jesus, because we need more of him all the time. Lord God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for today. We thank you for a chance to hear your word. We thank you for life and breath. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would speak through me. This is not about me. This is for you and your people. So God, I pray that you would speak to every heart here today and that anything I say that should be edited out, that you would just do that for them. And the things that need to be heard would be planted in good soil today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I recently attended a worship service where the preacher referred to the prophet Ezekiel, who was commanded to eat the scroll. Do you remember Ezekiel? He was commanded uh, by the Lord to eat the scroll or eat the word of God. And this preacher said that Ezekiel had to learn and feel the very things that he would be speaking so that he could speak from a different perspective. It's one thing to just talk about a thing, but it's another thing to speak about that thing from experience. As I was preparing this word, the Lord began to deal with my own heart, and hearing about the old prophet was confirmation that I had to share from my heart uh, and what I have recently walked through. And I know what you're thinking, Tamika, it's week number six, it's do not kill, what's in your heart? Um, I don't want to kill anyone, so you're, you're safe. I don't have a hit list. We're okay. Instead, I have the word of God reading me and the Holy Spirit lovingly convicting me of the ugly bits in my heart. So let's look at Genesis 1, verse 26, 27. The text reads like this. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God made man in his own image. This is female man and male man, okay, humanity. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. As a child who attended a Caribbean Baptist church, reciting the Ten Commandments was a regular part of service. We did this frequently in our worship services. 
Reciting the thou shalt not kill, the old King Jimmy version, thou shalt not kill was one of the ones that we flew over because we didn't have to think twice about this one. I suspect no one in the room needed to either. This is one of those good old common sense commandments, do not kill. For some reason, this didn't really apply to like really gross bugs or creepy crawlers for me, but definitely don't kill people, okay? Like just don't, don't kill. There's a mosquito, I'm going for it. Um, I think it's safe to say that those of us in this room also feel the same way. Those of us up online also feel like upholding this commandment is not a hard thing to do. We don't walk around wanting to kill people, I hope. Um, but we've seen over the years, maybe over the last five or so, how the heart of humanity is growing more and more wicked and death that was once a part of life's natural cycle is now a part of culture and is trending in the most disgusting ways possible. It wears many a mask, convenience, punishment, healthcare, entertainment, to escape, to silence truth, to dominate, and the list goes on. If we are indeed made in the image of God, and God is the giver of life, we must respect his decision when life is given regardless of who he gives it to. When you have time, please go through Genesis 9 to see what God says about humanity during his covenant with Noah. It's after the flood and the Lord is reestablishing order and he says some certain things to Noah. That's your homework, plus your Sabbath. Uh, Mr. Peter J. Lightheart, author of the book, The Ten Commandments, not author of the actual commandments, just the book about the Ten Commandments, he says, idolatry is a species of murder and murder is a kind of idolatry. When we kill, we take God's place of ruler and make it about us. This is idolatry and circles back to the first commandment we learned in this series. You shall have no other gods before me. We were made in the image of God. To take life from someone else is to step into a position that God never gave us. He is very good at being in charge, and we should honor him. He is seated on the throne, and the earth is his footstool. That means God is making decisions from a chilled position. We are his ottoman. That's how I like to think about it. God is ruling from a relaxed position. He is not surprised or lacking in any power. In fact, he has all power in his hand. When Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh, they had explicit instructions to tell him that I am that I am sent them. To a ruler who had a God for every category of life, God was telling and showing Pharaoh and all who were in attendance that he was the God of all categories of life and should be heard, trusted, and obeyed. God is God all by himself. When the Israelites came across nations with wicked intentions, the Lord fought their battles, the Lord their savior. When they needed food and water in the wilderness, he provided for their needs, the Lord their provider. When they were sick, he restored health, the Lord their healer. He would also repay vengeance on their behalf when they were innocent. Now, I believe I'm preaching to those who agree with everything I've said so far. And you're thinking, Tamika, this is not for me. This is, this is for crazy people, people who commit mass shootings or those who force children to become soldiers or those who call their countries to attack another country for the sake of status. And I agree with you. The average person doesn't have a dream to kill or control whole populations for the sake of status. But what does your heart say? <laughs> Especially when we've been seeing footage of, of destruction or praying for families of victims over and over again. Or maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe you're just annoyed in traffic on the 401 again. 
or with the construction that takes over whole seasons of the year. Perhaps it's a coworker or that really weird family member that no one really wants to talk about, but now you all need therapy because of them. Yeah, what's in your heart? In Matthew 5, verse 21 and 26 that Steve read, Jesus expounds on the law of the Lord by going for our intentions. I took a law class in high school in grade 11. Um, I never wanted to be a lawyer, but I thought they had really good movies. But I took this class. They did have really good movies in our class. It was great. And uh, the first thing we learned was the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments in school. The second thing we learned was mens rea, which is Latin for the intent or knowledge of wrongdoing behind a crime. What Jesus shares during his Sermon on the Mount is that there are areas of our heart that are indeed criminal when we have anger or hatred for others in our hearts. You haven't committed murder and you don't intend to, but maybe you pictured it or thought about what life or indeed the world would be like if that person or those people didn't exist for just a moment. Just gonna leave that out there. Jesus lays it out plainly by saying, if we have anger in our hearts, then we are murderers. That's heavy stuff to swallow. He says, even if you insult them, you're already in danger or judgment, and the offering you bring before the Lord should be set aside until that area can be restored. The message translation reads our passage from Matthew like this. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call your brother an idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Or say you're on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you'll likely end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out with a stiff line. Jesus is telling us that no one is above the law. There was an outward showing of keeping the commandments, but before any act happens, it's a thought and then an intention and creates a motive for an action. In this passage, Jesus is making a way for repentance. If you're in the middle of worship and giving offering to the Lord, stop and make it right before coming back to the Lord. I have this picture of me lifting my hand saying, here I am to worship, here I am to, wait a minute. <laughs> Go make it right. I'm not telling you to avoid worship services or church. That is not, I didn't just give you that excuse. That's not on me, no thank you. The gathering of the body of Christ is important for so many reasons. Rather, I hope I'm showing you how serious God is about anger in our hearts and how he wants to remove anger and its fruits from us. Anger that is left unchecked for too long can often take up space in our hearts that is meant for the love of God that the Holy Spirit poured into us. It also stops us from bearing the fruit of the Spirit by which others can know who Jesus is. It blocks our view of our holy God. Psalm 34 verse 3 says, Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
Let's make him bigger in our sights, in our lives. We don't love God well, and we won't love people well when anger is taking up space where God should be allowed to live freely. He should be the biggest in our eyes and our hearts. And coming together in community to glorify and worship him is a wonderful experience some of us are missing out on because we have anger or at this point unforgiveness in our hearts. The anger or the thing that led to that is bigger than God is in our sight and we are missing out on so much more. Of course, there is a time when righteous anger is necessary, anger towards injustices or evils is a righteous response to that which goes against God's command and plan for life. Not all anger is bad. Emotions are not bad. Let's say that again. Emotions are not bad. Okay, I'm a very emotional person. I get annoyed by my own emotions. I'm like, I don't have time to cry right now. What is happening? Emotions are not bad. But they are feelings, and feelings can sway with the time and the weather. You know, some people, it rains, and they're like, you're like, how are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm so blue. Like, what happened? It rained. Good night. It rained, you know? Or how are you doing? I'm so happy. Why? Because it's summer. That's usually me. Okay? Just, they sway. They, they sway with the times. I used to teach students, and I had Arabic students from Saudi Arabia who would rejoice when it rained because in Saudi Arabia, where it is desert, it only rains a full time, a few times a year. And that's when everyone's emotions are super happy because it means life. So interesting perspective. I heard Lisa Turkhurst refer to our emotions as an indicator for something that is happening, but they are not to be a determiner for something that should take place. This is why we have so many verses in the Bible about our emotions. Here are a couple about anger. Ephesians 4, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let too much time pass because anger will fester and become other things like bitterness and malice and the enemy loves anything in our way that will stop us from magnifying God. You just give him a little bit and he'll make that thing so big. Ephesians 4 verse 31 tells us to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and every form of malice. Ephesians 6 verse 4 tells parents not to provoke their children to anger. In my heart, things like anger seem to find nooks and crannies I didn't even know existed. I'll be good, even be worshiping, and not notice that I have a seed of anger trying to coexist with the wonderful things God has placed within me. I once got so angry that I had chest pain and a headache. It was awful. I was so fixated on the person who angered me that I could barely pray. It was awful, and it felt like something was in the way of me and my Savior. Praying was hard. Singing was a chore. I didn't like dealing with that thing, so I didn't until I was triggered by something else all over again that reminded me of that thing that wasn't even related to that thing, but I'm still angry. So sometimes I wanted revenge or justice or payment or just acknowledgement that, like, you sucked and you made me angry. I was a slave to the anger. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus' blood, we don't need to dole out punishment or hold anger within our hearts. The truth is that we can never keep this law the way Jesus explained it. So just feel free right now, okay? We can't do it. 
but he himself took on himself the sins of the world and created a way for us to repent. I just want to let us all know repentance is not an ugly word. Okay, so <laughs> I know that's kind of floating around in Christendom. Repentance is not an ugly word. Repentance is to turn around and allow the Holy Spirit to not only set us free, but keep us free as well. It's funny, this is how you know the Holy Spirit's doing his thing. Pastor Nestor already read for us Galatians 5 verse 1, which says, It is for freedom that you have been set free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not be burdened by anger. Do not be burdened by malice or evil intent or rage. Be free for Christ has set you free. Okay, so I've talked a lot. But Lord, how do we do this? First, we go back to the word. 1 John 3 verse 14 and 16 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Ephesians 4 verse 32 reads, Be kind and compassionate to one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is not feel kind and compassionate. Be kind and compassionate. Do the work. James 1 verse 19 to 20 says, we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because anger doesn't bring about the righteousness of God. I'm reminded of a wonderful woman named Tabitha Brown, who always says when she needs to respond to anyone, good or bad, she takes a moment, and she waits, and then she responds. Even if she knows what she wants to say, she waits, and then she responds. I think there's great wisdom in that. So even when I'm righteously angry over an injustice, perhaps, of some kind, I do not move in anger to right the wrongs. I still need to move in love for the ones being wronged and for the wrong ones. The opposite of death is life. The opposite of hatred and evil is loving the brethren and our enemies. Loving in truth with action is the antidote to a murderous heart. This is how we overcome. Mr. Peter J. Lightheart also write, writes, Jesus' entire life incarnates thou shalt not kill. He doesn't assault God's image, but restores it. He doesn't wound, but heals. He doesn't take life, but gives it abundantly. He doesn't oppress, but liberates. His words, even the harshest ones, are words of life. He uses the sword of his tongue to defend the weak and to call the wicked to a life of repentance, to a repentance that leads to life. Even when Jesus had cause for revenge, when he had cause for revenge, he suffered among criminals while he was innocent. He loved those who were mean to him and forgave his executioners, dying a victim of murder to give us life. There's a good example in the Bible in Psalm 139 where David prays what he's feeling to God and asks the Lord to search his heart, his motives, and his intentions. In Psalm 141, verse 3 and 4, he asks for God's help. The second way we do this is through prayer. And I love the Psalms, not just because I'm a singer, songwriter, and worship leader, but because David looks crazy. Okay, one minute he's up, next minute he's down. He's wanting to kill people, wanting to murder people. He's loving people. He's, why, Jesus? Read the Psalms, okay? It's so good. 
You searched me, Lord. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. And then he asks the Lord, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take parts in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. David doesn't sugarcoat his feelings or edit them in prayer. Have you ever done that? He's like, I want to pray to Jesus, but like, control, I'll delete. No. He prays them out and asks God, the only one who can change his heart and his mind and his life, to examine him and help him do the hard work. Let's do the hard work, church. Let's do the hard work. Let's examine our hearts for the glory of God's name, for the sake of our relationships with others, but mostly for the sake of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, who is worthy of so much more than we could give him. Let's do the hard work, church. Amen? Um, for our reflection time, I want to ask us now, I'm going to do it just a little bit different. Take some time during this reflection to ask the Lord to search you. Where have you knowingly or unknowingly broken this commandment of do not kill? Who do you need to call or forgive? And who do you need to apologize to? Maybe you're the one messing up somebody else's life. Who do we need to apologize to? Who do we need to forgive? Let's ask the Lord to search us now.
I think it's only wise that we take a moment to pray together. Lord God, we, we are coming to you in your presence. We're asking you to help us to remember the words of the teacher in Luke 10, verse 27 and 28. Who came to Jesus and admitted that we should love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, with all of our mind, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Help us to walk according to and be submitted to the Holy Spirit, that we may live as you lived and love as you loved. Jesus, please help us to forgive others when it is especially hard to do so, and the anger has already become hate or bitterness. Help us, Holy Spirit, to do the hard work that might mean therapy and repenting again and again or saying, I'm sorry, again and again. And then, Holy Spirit, help us to love you, God, and to love those made in your image. Lord God, some of the people we need to forgive aren't even alive anymore. Some of the people we we need to forgive, don't even know our names. Help us to do the hard work, Jesus, by the power of the blood of Jesus and by your spirit. It's in your name that we ask and pray. Amen.